بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ ٹوڈے از دا تھرٹینتھ آف اپریل ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوینٹی تھری الحمد للہ وی موو آن And I've reached verse 32 of Surah Maidah, so to spend the session on this blessed verse. But before going to the verse, the last thing I mentioned was with regards to Adam wasalam, and his noble son Sheath wasalam. So to mention a few things about the Holy Prophet Adam, our beloved grandfather, wasalam. so as is but obvious, his... state was of ma'sumiyat. He was of a perfect state. His generosity was something which Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi highlighted rahmatullahi in his aridat ul-ahwadi 6-160. Abu Bakr ibn al-Arabi rahmatullahi said, Adam alayhi salatu wasalam requesting Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give Dawood from his years shows extreme generosity and bountifulness because it is ultimate generosity to give away from one's own life. So what is this in reference to? So the narration is recorded all in Tirmidhi, Ibn Hiban, Hakim and it's an authentic hadith in Sahih al Jami number 5208 and in Sumeri, Adam wasalam, he asked the Almighty and Glorious, to see all the prophets in his lineage. So he saw, and he saw one particular light, he asked about this, because this is your son Dawood, David, So he asks, how many years are allotted to him? So he's informed, 60 years. He will live 60 years, he will pass away. So Adam, he said, oh my Lord, Give 40 of my years to him. Take 40 years of my life, give it to him. So he will live a hundred. And the report then continues, but this is the relevant part. So Abu Bakr ibn al-Arbi said, it is ultimate generosity to give away from one's own life. So notice, you can see a glimpse into his incredible, i.e. his immaculate, incredible, perfected character. There's another thing which is worth pointing out. The hadith is in Tirmadi Tahawi and is graded Hassan by Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullahi in As-Sahihah number 154. Salman al-Farsi radiyallahu alayhi wa beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa Nothing averts the divine decree except dua and nothing extends a person age except bill, I to parents. So in this flawless report, the Prophet ﷺ said that the dua helps against the decree, meaning make dua, Allah will help you in all your matters. But then the Prophet ﷺ said, a person's age is extended when he shows bill. So bill is to your parents. So note here the opposite is taking place. Adam is showing his love to his children. And not only his immediate children, but well into the future. So... And also just to add, Adam wasalam, even though he gave 40 years of his life, Allah still gave him that back. 
In other words, he lived a thousand years, So, with regards to his passing, Adam, I want to give you the report. So, the reference for this is in Hakim Abu Dawood at Tayalasi and Uds. And Shaykh al Bani stated authentic in his Ad Da'ifa number 2872. Obey ibn Qa'ab, he relates that the Prophet said, When death approached Adam, he said to his sons, O my sons, I desire some fruits from paradise. His children set off seeking that for him. So now, before moving on, what does that tell you about the sons? The sons did not know he was going to pass away. That's the first thing. They did not know how to find the fruits from paradise. But this did not deter them from setting off on their quest, hoping that Allah would guide them to it. This shows their great obedience and kindness towards their father. So there's a lesson here. The lesson here is the father said something and it's, it's impossible. How are we going to get the fruits of paradise? But the sons, not one of them said, Father, how are we supposed to be on the earth? They just set off. So the scholars point out, this shows that you should always try to fulfill your parents' wishes. The report continues. They were met by some angels. So stop in the court. Non-profit seeing angels. What's happening here? So the response is, this is the early period of humanity. Everything was strange at that time. You could marry your sisters. That's a strange command. Uh, secondly, um, people would die without seeing any real cause of death. There would be nobody with grey hair, etc., etc. So they met some angels, and the report says, they were carrying Adam Islam's and five things are mentioned. They were carrying Adam Islam's shrouds, embalmment, and also axes, shovels, and buckets. <coughs> the angels, wasalam, asked the sons, What are you seeking, O sons of Adam? They said, Our father is ill. He desires some fruits from paradise, so we are setting off seeking them for him. The angels wasalam, told them, Return, because the command has been issued to take away your father's life. So like I mentioned, Adam was don't get this impression that he was now old. There was he had pitch black hair, there was no grey, and there was just straightforward angel of death taking a person's life. <coughs> the report then continues. The Prophet وسلم, he said, So the angels moved on وسلم, until they reached Adam. When Hawa radiallahu saw them. She knew who they were and they unmoved very close to Adam. So our beloved grandmother, Hawala, she recognized the angels because obviously she saw them in paradise. And then she clung, clung on to Adam. He told her, move away from me because it was from your side that I was approached, I by shaitan. Do not come between me and my Lord's angels. So what did Adam والسلام, say to Sayyidah Hawala? He goes, because of you, Shaitan approached. He goes, now leave my the, the, the messengers. 
Thus, the report says, the angels alayhi salatu wasalam, took away Adam alayhi salatu wasalam's life whilst his family watched. So the angel, look how strange, it's all open. <laughs> Normally when death happens, you just see a person breathe his last breath and that's it. But is that really happening? No, what's really happening is the angel of death and the angels are there. The report clearly says they were watching. <laughs> so the blessed holy soul was taken. Then look what the hadith says. Number one, they washed him with water an odd number of times <coughs> whilst they watched. Number two, they shrouded him whilst they watched. Number three, they dug his grave. Number four, they made a lahad in it. Number five, they prayed over him. Number six, they entered into his grave and placed him therein. Number seven, they placed bricks behind him, exited from the grave. Number eight, they poured the soil over him and then turned to them and said, O sons of Adam, wasalam, this will be your way and procedure regarding your deceased. Subhanallah. So what did they do for our beloved grandfather? They gave him a ghusl. They were watching. Obviously, covering him from the, from you know his odor. So imagine, who did the ghusl for Adam? Angels. Number two, they did it a number of times, which is a sunnah. Number three, sorry, number two, they shrouded him and they were watching. So which person has that honor? Were you actually seeing angels shroud a human being? Number three, the angels then dug his grave. That's why they had this, the, you know, the tools. Number four, they made a lahad. Now this is interesting. The lahad is a place which is six foot under. Then you make a little chamber and the body is faced towards the Qibla. But what was the Qibla? It was Beit al-Maqdis, Jerusalem at the time. Then they did janazah over him, angels. Then they entered into his grave and lowered his body into it. Then they put bricks to cover the lahad. And then they poured the soil over him. So what was left to be done? So the way to describe you is, they were spectators. They weren't allowed to do anything. And then the angels, what did they say? Subhanallah. They said, Sunnatakum fi mawtakum wahada sabilukum. This is your sunnah and the path for your deceased. Because remember this. So all of that we do. But this was Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. What day did he pass away? So famously we have a hadith. In Nasa'i Abu Dawood, graded Sahih by Shaykh Al-Bani in Sahih Ut-Tarheeb, number 696. Our beloved messenger, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Indeed, amongst the best of your days is the day of Friday. On it, Adam was created, On it, he passed away. And the report continues. So he was created on a Friday. And he passed away on a Friday. So this was a Friday, alayhi salatu wasalam, that he left the world. So now in the barzakh, so Adam alayhi salatu wasalam obviously is now in the barzakh. And even in the barzakh there's reports. But I'm not going to mention the report in the barzakh because I don't want to spend too much time. But 
he will, he will be given a duty on the day of judgment, which isn't often mentioned. <coughs> so this report is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 6529. Adam <coughs> will be given a difficult task. He will have to separate those going to hell from those going to paradise. <coughs> Abu Huraira radiallahu relates that Abu Lubid Messenger said, sallallahu alayhi wa the first one to be summoned on the day of judgment will be Adam His children will look at him, hoping. So look how touching. We're looking at our father, thinking, look, he's summoned. Because if anybody's going to help, it's going to be our father. It will be said, this is your forefather. He will respond. Labbek wa sa'adayk wal khayru fi yadayk. Look at the eloquence. I am at your service and will do what pleases you. All good is in your hands. Allah the Almighty and Glorious will say, Take out from amongst your offspring the fire's delegation. He will ask, Oh my Lord, what is the fire's delegation? And how many shall I take out? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, take out 99 from every 100. Meaning 99% of your children are going to go to hell. So this is one report. In another report, there's a detail. In Sayyid Bukhari, in many places, 7483, Sayyid Muslim number 222. This hit the companions hard. And they said, Ya Rasulullah, who amongst us will be that one man? The Prophet said, Rest assured, there will be in hell a thousand from amongst Ya'juj and Ma'juj against one from amongst you. <laughs> Meaning most of them are from the Ajuj and Ma'juj. Now why is that important to highlight? Because it explains the huge numbers. People say, who are these people that are coming at the end of time and they're coming in swarms and nobody can challenge them? Hell needs few. But they're the children of Adam. The Prophet, you know, look how interesting, that proves they're human beings. They're not monsters and... You know, some people give you the impression that the children of Adam, So he will have to do that. Imagine our father, as if to think, you know, what's happened to my children? So now, if you leave here at that, you're thinking, why is Allah Taala done this to him? But there's another report, and this comforts the hadith is in Tabarani in his Ausat Al Hadimi in Majma Az Zawai 10-381 Imam Ghazali in his Ihya. Our beloved Messenger said, "Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam," on the day of rising. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall give Adam to intercede on behalf of 110 million of his children. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shall give Adam the power to intercede on behalf of 110 million of his children. So now why is that interesting? Because you get this impression that you can see he's hurt. He's thinking, my children, ya Allah. So what does Allah Ta'ala do? <laughs> Imagine 110 million. Pick. Now what's interesting, according to the report, he only had 40,000 children and he passed away. Well, his offspring. So this seems to indicate it's not just for his lifetime. He's also picking out children from other generations as well. And maybe that is further explaining what the Prophet meant when he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he goes, Afdulun Anbiya Adam. The best of the Prophets is Adam. 
meaning he's been given special gifts by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I wanted to mention that with regards to our illustrious father, Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. He lived a thousand years on the earth. He did many pilgrimages. He did a thousand pilgrimages. 700 uh, hajjahs or umrah or 300 uh, hajjahs given whichever way you take. When he did the tawaf around the Kaaba for the first time, Adam alayhi salatu wasalam. Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam congratulated. He goes, congratulations. But then he goes, 50,000 years before you was created, I performed tawaf. Right? So, the angels were also honoring him as well. And I'll mention it briefly. In the Barzakh, how do we know they communicate? The Prophet met Adam when he went on the Mihraj. That was obviously when Adam was in the Barzakh. Secondly, Musa the famous conversation they had. And he actually said to Adam, because of you, we are suffering. So Adam praised his son Musa then he says to him what did he say in the Torah he goes does he say that I was going to eat from the tree he goes yes he goes then why are you blaming me for something that happened 40 years written 40 years before I was going to do it and then the Prophet said Adam ghulibat he defeated Musa <laughs> but the beautiful thing was when Allah Ta'ala asked Adam why did you eat from the tree he didn't say, use the qadr as a, he just said, Ya Allah, Rabbana zalamna anfusana wa illam taghfil lana wa tarhamna lanukoonanna min al-khasini. So this shows that he was showing love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But to his son, he told him off. And how many people can actually say that they've defeated Musa? Right, think about that. Who's going to defeat Musa? Try it, right? You know, he's, you know, he knocked the angel of death's ayah, right? But Adam defeated him with a few words, alayhi salatu wasalam. And he's our grandfather, Allah And who knows, maybe he will intercede for us. So verse 32. On that account, we ordain for the Bani Israel that if anyone slew a person, unless it be for murder or for spreading mischief in the land, it would be as if he slew the entire mankind. And if anyone saved a life, it would be as if he saved the life of the entire mankind. Then although there came to them our messengers with clear signs, yet even after that, many of them continued to commit excesses in the land. So now, after mentioning the incident of the two sons, the story of Cain is referred to in a few graphic details in order to inform the Bani Israel. Israel, the children of Israel, rebelled against their Lord. They slew and insulted righteous men who did them no harm, but on the contrary came in all humility. Then, when Allah withdrew his favor from the Bani Israel because of the sins, bestowed it on a brother nation, the jealousy of the Bani Israel plunged them deeper into sin. To kill or seek to kill an individual because he represents an ideal, is to kill all who uphold the ideal. So this is why it's mentioned next. Cain and Abel, the story is mentioned. Why? Who's Allah talking to next? Bani Israel. He goes, you're doing the same now. You're following Cain. Right? You're killing innocent people. Right? Prophets of God. Because why do you think I took my the honor away from you, gave it to the Bani Ismail? Why do you think I did that? And now you're after him. So look, there's a link, there's a clear link there which is worth mentioning.
زوئے دیز رپورٹ سو مجاہد رحمۃ اللہ علیہ ہی کامنٹس اپن دس پورشن اف ورس 32 فکانما قتل الناس جميعا it would be as if you killed the entire mankind he explained he who kills a believing soul intentionally allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes the fire of hell his abode he will become angry with him curse him he has prepared a tremendous punishment for him equal to if he had killed the entire mankind his punishment would be the same So Mujahid explained, Rahmatullahi, what does it mean? It would be as if he killed the entire mankind. What does that mean? What it means is if you kill one believing soul unjustly, your crime is just as great as killing the entire mankind. You're going to get that punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He also commented upon the next portion. وَمَنْ أَحْيَاهَ فَقَأَنَّمَا أَحْيَا النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا And if anyone saved a life, It would be as if he saved the entire mankind. He explained, He who does not kill anyone, then the lives of the entire mankind are safe from him. So the meaning is completely different what you think. Mujahid said what this means is if you saved anybody's life, what does that mean? It means you actually, how do you save a life? You can save him by saying it, saving him from an accident, from death. Because it doesn't mean that. It means he who does not kill anyone, you haven't got blood on your hands, then the lives of the people are safe from you. That's what it means. <laughs> Meaning don't have blood on your hands. It's extremely detrimental to your uh, spiritual state. And just to add this, this is in Ibn Kathir's Tafsir. So there's a report. So this is recorded in Ibn Abi Dunya in his Al-Ahwal, number 183. Ibn Abi Asim in his Ad-Diyat, Number two, Behaki in Shu'ab al-Iman, number 5344. Bara'i ibn Azib, radiyallahu alayhi wa the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Lazawalu dunya jami'an ahwanu indallahi min safqi da min bighayri haq. Certainly in the estimation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the obliteration of the whole world is less than unjustly shedding the blood of a human being. Subhanallah. So what did the Prophet say? He said, for Allah Ta'ala to destroy the entire world, isn't that a great thing? Somebody goes, the entire world has been destroyed. You're thinking, He goes, that is less in the sight of Allah than unjustly shedding the blood of a human being. Now notice, he didn't say Muslim. So when you commit murder, In the sight of Allah Ta'ala, that is worse than him destroying the entire world. Look at the gravity of the crime. And also, this narration is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 6470, Behaki in his Sunan Al-Kubra, number 15637. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu said, Of the fatal matters, Those in which one's lower self is entangled and finds no slit from which to escape is the act of shedding inviolable blood. So what did Abdullah ibn Umar simply say? He goes, if you shed unlawful blood, you're trapped. There's no escape. He goes, you, in other words, you're in serious trouble. So now what's interesting, we're living at the end of time. And at the end of time, what do you notice will start happening? Blood will become cheap. 
So if you live your life, imagine committing all the sins under the earth, under the sun, but you haven't got blood in your hands. You're probably in a far greater state than the one who's committed no sins except blood. And that's why fitna is so destructive. You know, we should do shukr. We're not in fitna where Muslims are fighting each other. You know, this is a very... That's why the Sahaba kept out. Because we're not getting involved in this. 99% of them. Right? Only a very few got involved. And Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala's, you know, spared us that. And may Allah keep us spare from that. And also Abu Bakr Siddiq, just to add this to finish. Abu Bakr Siddiq said in Dailani, do not belittle any Muslim. For the most insignificant Muslim is great in the sight of Allah. So look at the great man Abu Bakr, the greatest of men after the prophets. He goes, don't belittle any Muslim. Now think about it. What do people use as a justification for it? They will say, he's off his head. That's why I'm, I'm saying this. You respond, is he Muslim? And the person goes, he's off his head. I didn't say, I'm not bothered if he's off his head. Is he a Muslim? He goes, oh, he's a big gunagar. He's a big sinner. I'm not bothered. Is he Muslim? Yes. Then you go, do you believe in Abu Bakr? <laughs> what did he say? Abu Bakr said, do not belittle any Muslim because the most insignificant Muslim means the lowest of the law, the most sinful Muslim, he is great in the sight of Allah. Now think about it. Forget about belittling. You've shed his blood. You shot him. You've stabbed him. Look at Abu Bakr Siddiq, he's explaining something. And very interesting, Abu Bakr doesn't have many reports where he mentions that. And look at how fortunate we were. He was the successor of Rasulullah. He was never going to harm the Muslims ever. Why? Because of his love for the Muslims. The most compassionate of the Ummat for my Ummat is Abu Bakr. And that pure heart said these words. So note again, the Muslim is dear to the sight in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he comes down like a ton of bricks. Then people ask stupid questions. Because why does Allah Ta'ala get upset if you heard the Oliya? Well, work it out, brother, didn't he? If the most insignificant Muslim, Allah Ta'ala is going to get angry, what you're doing, you're going for the one of the highest. Then you're targeting Sahab. Oh my God. And then Bani Israel, they went for the prophets. So look, right? You know, they, you know, they, they don't even spare the Anbiya. They said, what, what, what have you got on them? That's the 43 in one day, kill 43 in one day. Then what do they do? Start doing their chants. Imagine, hey, let's do our zikr now after killing 43 prophets. And inshallah, I will discuss this verse further tomorrow. So I'll recite the verse. And we will come. Qadubillahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Min ajli dhalik. كتبنا على بني إسرائيل أنه من قتل نفسا بغير نفس أو فساد في الأرض فكأنما قتل الناس جميعا ومن أحياها فكأنما أحيا الناس جميعا ولقد جاءتهم رسلنا بالبينات ثم إن كثيرا منهم بعد ذلك في الأرض لمسرفون. We pray to Almighty Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He makes the Quran the Rabi of our hearts. We pray to Almighty Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that He forgives us for any errors which I may have inadvertently uttered.